The world in 2017 is unstable. In Europe, Asia, and the Middle East, large land powers long assumed to be dormant have mounted bids for military supremacy over their regions. Today's Russia, China, and Iran are confident, assertive, and arming. They are also well-versed, after years of practice, in techniques of warfare that are tailor-made for challenging the foundations of American primacy, on which the stability of the world as we know it has rested since the time of our grandparents. The aggressiveness of these three powers is not new. It was already well-established when we began writing this book at the beginning of Barack Obama's second term. But as a new president takes office, it is worth pondering what has changed in the last eight years since America last elected a new leader. Two things in particular stand out, both of which are partly the byproducts of U.S. policy and both of which make today's situation more difficult and more dangerous than in the past. First, the competitions for regional primacy are at a more advanced stage of escalation. When we started writing this book, the moves of America's rivals were still early and tentative tests of U.S. resolve. Some of their moves, or probes, were diplomatic in nature, and some military, but all had the same goal of gauging how willing the United States would be to defend its interests and allies without skirting too closely to military confrontation. Today's probes are bolder. In Asia, China has moved from declaring no-fly zones over swaths of ocean to constructing man-made islands to placing missiles on those islands. In Eastern Europe, Russia has moved from declaring a doctrine of interference in neighbors' affairs to invading the largest of its former satellites to conducting systematic harassment of U.S. and Allied aircraft and vessels in adjacent territories. In the Middle East, Iran has extended its military and thus political reach from the Mediterranean to the Persian Gulf through Syria and Iraq, while harassing small U.S. vessels and humiliating their crews. This steady movement up the ladder of escalation reflects a growing degree of risk acceptance on the part of leaders in these countries. But it also indicates a calculation on their part that such behavior can be undertaken without incurring significant blowback. The ratcheting up of rival powers' ambitions that occurred over the course of the Obama administration's time in office came at a time when U.S. policy was conciliatory and at times even apologetic in tone, when the United States was prioritizing relations with rivals over traditional allies and when we were making historic reductions in U.S. military capabilities. It was a version of isolationism dressed in a narrative of a harmony of interests among states. But the Obama administration's engagement with global problems did little to deter or arrest the gradual advances of the revisionist powers. Rather than leading to de-escalation, these policies have led rival powers to enlarge their demands and attempt even more boldly to seize upon what they perceive as a perishable opportunity to reshape their regions. Thus, efforts to reset relations with Russia led not to detente and cooperation, but to the invasion of Ukraine. The Iran nuclear deal, and with it more than a billion dollars in payouts to Tehran, 
led not to reduced regional tensions, but to an acceleration of Iran's atomic and missile programs, and so on. Second, and as a result, America's rivals hold more ground today in both a literal and strategic sense than they did eight years ago. The gains that all three powers have made during the Obama era can be measured in miles. Russia invaded and now controls Crimea and a fair chunk of eastern Ukraine, a total of some 29,000 square miles of land that previously belonged to a sovereign state. China created seven man-made islands over the past eight years, with which it can effectively control several tens of thousands of square miles of ocean that were previously international waters.